LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Anna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. We, we, we make that promise and, and we deliver. Most of the time we do. Sometimes people call us the delivery men, don't they? <laughs> do they? You know, <laughs> I deliver. I've had some feedback about our banter. Okay. Um, it hasn't all been positive. Okay. So, well, let's um, get straight into today's episode of the One Thing. Now, as always, it's brought to you with thanks from the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and also we're proud to be part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We'd encourage you to check out their podcast. So we're going to highlight one of those a little bit later in the episode. But for now, you've pressed play on episode number 86 of The One Thing, Reaching Millennials. I feel like we're always talking about millennials, but today on the show, we had a special guest, Mikey Lynch uh, from UTAS, all the way down in Hobart. And we got the opportunity to spend a bit of time with him talking about reaching millennials. Well, g'day, Mikey Lynch. It's great to have you on The One Thing. Hey, good to be here. Now, Michael Lynch, if you don't know, uh, is a church planter from Hobart in the deep, dark past, but is now currently the AFES uh, senior staff worker on the Hobart. Got to plant it every Hobart. year. They keep UTAS. graduating. You've got to grab yeah, them UTAS. all over again. Yeah, UTAS. It's, it's like the, the whole of Tasmania, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the Hobart campuses are UTAS. The yeah. Hobart campuses of UTAS. Uh, you've been a Christian since you're 18? Yep. Uh, and you're not a millennial. Well, again, this is the thing, you know, everyone, I mean, there's no like kind of scientific measure of what a millennial is. Any, like it's not, it's a, you know, it's a made up thing to some extent. So depending on how you measure it, it could be, if you say a millennial starts in 1980, then I am. Yep. If you say it's 1984, then I'm not. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a liminal, I'm a liminal X wire. Is it a mindset, Mikey? Yeah. Is it a mindset? <laughs> what are the defining characteristics of millennials? How do you define it? Apart from... Arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. Look, at it, it is. I mean, I think it's something around that, right? Something around the 80s to something around the mid-90s. Um, and and it's it's describing, I think, to some extent, um, a demographic bumps. So there's a really clear one with the baby boomers. And there is, to some extent, a clear one around the late 70s, early 80s in, in America and Australia and so on. So it becomes another demographic bump. Um and then in between the X's are the kids of the boomers, more or less. So it's that, it, and and so so loosely that generation can loosely be sh- those generations can be shaped by their defining experiences, whether it's post-war prosperity or disillusionment uh, with the the failures and the hypocrisies of those who were the post-war hippies and idealists who then became the corporate sellouts and. Um, and all that kind of thing, or whether you're then defined by being the kids of the exes who were determined not to be. And, you know, so, so there's, there's markers like that. So, so I think millennials are definitely marked by uh, beginning to be people coming of age around technology in a massive way and the massive rapid increase of digital technologies that happened through the 80s into the 90s. So that, that's both the initial birth of Apple and the Mac in the 80s and 90s through to then the rebirth of Apple with Steve Jobs' return uh, some of the things that mark millennials. Well, so there, there's some of the uh, the years and the things that happen. What what are the kind of existential characteristics of these the millennials? What are what what do they betray or exhibit? What, how do you see it playing? Apart yeah. from just not wanting to work, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So I'm a genius. That's an old person thing to say. <laughs> That's an old person thing to say. So the the gen 
X were still growing up in, in the shadow to some extent of the Cold War and the possibility that the world could evaporate. But the later Gen Xs, like myself, some of our earliest memories were the fall of the Berlin Wall mm. and, and the end of Cold War as a problem. So that kind of defines the Gen X's experience to some extent and, and often described as being a generation marked by a certain degree of cynicism and disillusionment, willingness to work, but no sense of trust with the, um, the organisation that will look after them. Gen Y, I mean, if, if, what, what marks then someone born in the, the mid to late 80s, what do they remember? Maybe they might begin to remember the first uh, Iraq war, um, Desert Storm and so on, but, but definitely 9-11 suddenly becomes a, a really powerful turning point and to some extent a little later than the global financial crisis. You know, th those are, are, are different kinds of things. You're suddenly living in a global world where the interests of global powers affect people all around the world. So it's a, a different set of uh, kind of values. But, I mean, some of the things in general I noticed as a Gen X kind of Gen Y coming back into campus ministry was more optimism, more entrepreneurialism, uh, more... Um, uh, enthusiasm, emotionalism, all these things where, where my cohort were more likely to be a bit sarcastic, cynical, um, suspicious of emotions and so on, um, maybe even nihilistic, you know, some of the cultural marks of Gen X uh, grunge and, and a very kind of bleak outlook, whereas Gen Y, upbeat, creative, uh, colourful, playful. They did better weddings. Their weddings would just be cooler and, and more, you know, again, a passionate, Happy to talk about how they feel, all these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Some of the markers, yeah. So, so then, has the criticism been too harsh of this generation by old people like Scott? <laughs> so, some of the criticism is they're they're, they're rightsy, they're um, uh, they're hard to pin down. You know, they're they're like you know they're like Maria from the Sound of Music, flippity gibbets that you can't pin down. Um, like a, uh, a, that they're um, always chopping and changing jobs. Yeah. They're always on their phones. All these kinds of things. Yeah, maybe a bit. Although, like, I've got a, a baby boomer dad and, and he's shocking on his smartphone. Mm. He loves new technology and he's often distracted following the latest app on his phone. So mm. we're all swept up in changes to technology, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, look, there are some marks to that generation. But on the other hand, um, they're realising they are in an unstable workforce and so they're not going to give dumb loyalty to an employer, including a church employer, that's not going to look after them and that has no future. Is that disloyal or is that a kind of canny realism? Mm. Um, that they're uh, um, flighty and not willing to work hard. But then watching a lot of baby boomers and the generation before them, they would often work hard and dumb. Mm. Work really long, as you see, there's pastors work really long hours and take great pride in the 60 plus hours a week they work. But a lot of it's not very profitable and effective. Mm. And then you might watch a, gen, a millennial Gen Y pastor um, or, or um, a church member who's just a bit smarter about how they apportion their time. Mm. And so they work less hours on the timesheet, but they're just as effective, if not more. So, so yeah, it's complicated. Mm. We'll come back to Mikey in just a moment. But right now, it's time to talk about uh, the Lifeway Leadership Podcast. We are a part here at the One Thing of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and this is a good chance to point you to one of the other podcasts. Have you listened to 5LQ? I have. That's good. Some sort of, I asked that question about the podcast, and I, 
I think you think it's rhetorical. It's not. No, no. Yeah, it, it is. It's one of my favorite podcasts, actually. I was listening to a couple of episodes just the other day, half an hour long, really uh, good in-depth stuff, and the same five questions every time. So it's really interesting. And I mean, they ask, they ask more than five questions, hmm. but that's kind of the starting point. Do you feel like that's misleading? Do you feel like Todd's just kind of uh, having to go at you? And Well, I don't. But if you don't want to be misled, look it up yourself and listen to the 5LQ podcast. David Platt, Ryan Myers, Louis Giglio, uh, it's really good. Excellent to listen to. So uh, head on over to the Leadership Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network page and you can check it out there. All right, back to reaching millennials. So if you're seeking to reach them, uh, what, you know, what should the pastor bear in mind? What should the campus worker bear in mind? Well, the campus worker should bear in mind that uh, they're reaching Gen Z now, not Gen Y, yeah. um, although, you know, a larger number of mature age students now. So, yeah, yeah. you are. 25% of the students are uh, mature age students. But, yeah, it, what, the, what the person reaching uni graduates, who are the Gen Ys now, and hiring Gen Ys onto their ministry teams now, um, is you can't just leverage uh, loyalty and power and expect to get results the mm. way maybe you could before. So you, you've got to actually have a vision, a compelling vision, and you've got to have integrity um, in order to call and inspire people, you know, which you always should have done. You just can't get away with being lazy in that area, mm. I think is one thing. Uh, similarly, you need to be um, open to the fact that technology may be a much more non-negotiable part. Not always, because there's a, there's a certain anti-technology movement within Gen Y and Gen Z as well. So mm. some of them may resist that technology, but by and large, you have to be savvy with technology. You've got to have your website. You've got to have your social media and you've got to use it okay. Mm. You've got to use it okay. Um, you can't get away with not doing that stuff. I don't, by and large, I don't think is a second thing. A third thing is I think investing in relationship and embracing a certain degree of informality in relationship is really mm. important. That um, that strong hierarchy and impersonal professionalism. Again, these are such big generalizations, but I think in general you can't get away with that. And you just see that across the board, mm. the cultural mood as it ma maps out into uh, sports tournaments and news commentary and, and university teaching and mm. class, like all, business all the way through. You just see these marks of, of, a, of an informality that you've got to really uh, work out how to, how to sort of how lead um, within an informality and be more open. So yep. I think that that's another. And then a final thing is that uh, you are dealing with people who are much more aware of being global citizens and being connected with, with the global community and with the, the shared challenges of humanity and, you know, residents on planet Earth. That's not a... A, 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 a necessarily an ideological posture. It's just an awareness. It's just a default awareness. We live on a planet with limited resources, with a whole bunch of different cultures and people with competing needs. That's just a reality that the Gen Y rightly sees that maybe previous generations naively were ignoring. And, and so you've got to be aware of those things. So can I push into one of those things? So if you just took one instance, like the Sunday gathering, Yep. You took some of these differences. So you mentioned cynical for Gen X, but you know more open and positive uh, for Gen Y, maybe as a generalisation, more emotional for Gen Ys where, you know, for me who's, you know, emotionally challenged, <laughs> you know, we just suppress stuff. There is a difference in how you do something like a Sunday gathering. Meeting. So let me give you a sim simple example. Yeah, um, uh, again, big stereotype, but a Gen X gathering could be in a cold school hall with um, 
fairly unemotionally engaging music within evangelical, reformed evangelical Christianity, and that would be kind of acceptable. We're, we're, who all this showy music? Who are we kidding? That's silly. Who cares about uh, window dressings? Let's just get down to business. Sure. Preach the word. Move on. Yeah, and and preach the word with a fairly sharp acerbic wit. So there's one really influential evangelist in Australia in the 80s and 90s who would often call things stupid and get quite an affirming sort of laugh and go, <laughs> he called something stupid. Isn't that cool? Um, mm-hmm. I've seen, the, I've heard the same preacher preach to Gen Ys and Gen Zs call things stupid and they kind of look like their feelings are hurt a little. And they go, yeah. oh, that's, that was a, why, why do you call that stupid? That was a bit mean. You know, so that's an interesting change, isn't yeah. it? What used to have a certain edge to it now just seems grumpy. Mm. Um, and the empty school hall with the ordinary music, what used to have a certain authenticity to it, who, who cares about these things, uh, let's get on with the main business, now seems careless and heartless and lifeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a Gen Xer might take a certain pride in having a wedding in casual clothes in the registry office with a prayer afterwards, you know, and, and sort of see that as being the core of, you know, what really matters isn't these things anyway. A Gen Y would go, but where are the ice cream cones? And, you know, why, why, why haven't we sort of dripped out every detail as an ex- a genuine, sincere expression of thoughtfulness mm. to one another and to our guests? And, do, do you see what I mean? So, yeah. so that generalisations, but, but those would be things. A Gen X or a boomer sermon could get away with more generalisations about sex and race and class and, and get away with it. Uh, a Gen Y and Gen Z, if you're clumsy with some of those things, you might lose a lot of trust and authenticity. That, part of that global citizenship, you, you totally. as a pastor really need to actually understand. You, yeah, yeah. You, you're, you need to think the way you're thinking if you're ministering in Dubai or, um, mm. uh, you know, KL or, uh, you know, you're in a city where there are sensitivities and pressures and competing communities and the way you talk has is always aware of those which things. Takes, which takes time. You know, it takes time just in your own, own <laughs> effort and, and preaching but then takes time to unpack yep. in, a, in a talk. There's a leadership hurdle as well here, isn't there? Because sometimes you won't understand if you're crossing those generational boundaries what it is that the next generation is looking for or why is you're rubbing up against it. So you actually need to find people within that context, Yep. let them speak, and then at some level be okay with the uncomfortableness letting them implement that. Has that been something you've seen work well or badly? Yeah, I, I think the, the people who lead best across cultures and generations have that yeah have that kind of porousness where they invite the they they invite others to help them see themselves the way others see them. Mm. I mean that's what emotional intelligence is about, isn't it? That EQ is the idea of seeing yourself as other people see you, and being okay to own that, mm. you know, and and not not feel threatened by that. If you're threatened by those things and always are making explanations for why you meant what you meant it, that misses the point you know what I mean and, and instead to go it doesn't matter you know uh, what I mean it's 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 how others are hearing it you know communication is also what the listener is yeah. hearing isn't it yeah. yeah so what about engaging with the ministry you've talked about the importance of you know compelling vision and mission you can't just use you know loyalty and and the stick uh, how you know how do you uh, encourage ministry amongst the millennium um, so I think that's a big one. I, I think realising that the younger generations who've thought ethically about just good work practices expect that kind of ethical thought within the church. Older generations might talk about safe ministry practices around kids and vulnerable people as a hoop we've got to jump through now because of this, that or the other. Younger generations are maybe more likely to say, no, we screwed up because we weren't doing things well. 
We need to do better. Mm. Um, and that applies to sick leave and holiday leave and clear work expectations. Older generations go, oh, you just, what are you fussing about those things for? Just get on with working hard for Jesus. The younger generations go, yeah, but you get on with working hard for Jesus by figuring out exactly what my job is. <laughs> And looking after me properly so I can go the distance because we're not serving Jesus at all if we don't have clear job descriptions and good working conditions. So it's a shift of mindset on that one, I think, hmm. to actually take that extra time to present through, to show care in those policies and own that ethically and spiritually hmm. is a second kind of thing. Um, uh, and then also I think there is just, again, this is some of this is just working with younger generations full stop, but working with a balance of flexibility and fluidity but also building structure and form. You've got to do those two things side by side. So I'd be open for experimentation, um, but at the same time also um, uh, be willing to give, uh, sell them on the value of together with structure, we can do more. Mm. And actually we can reach the vision better if we build scalable structure mm. in within which we can be flexible. Poetry and plumbing. Shout out to Todd Adkins there on that one. Um, poetry and plumbing. Poetry and plumbing. Mikey, give us the one thing about reaching millennials, working with millennials that we need to know? I think one thing I'd, I'd go for, I think what we talked about before, that they're being inviting others to show you the differences between cultures and generations. So, yeah, that emotional intelligence I think is huge. Curiosity and openness will set you up to, to pivot the way you lead. Mike, if we were thinking about toolbox, obviously McCrindle, you know, McCrindle sort of, generations infographic is great for thinking yep. into some of these things just to get to understand where you sit and you know where the millennials sit uh what are some other helpful resources that you think uh you know help us in in this area i reckon i would recommend asking for a little bit of a watch list for for your netflix actually so so uh, yeah, find someone find a sort of a young assistant minister or mts apprentice or college student or, or you know find someone in their 20s and say, what, what are some of the best things of the last um, last five years that I should watch? You, you couldn't, if you can handle a little bit of horror, you couldn't do worse than um, Stranger Things. Um, or just recently I watched The Politician on Netflix. Both of those could be a good start. Yeah. Into the world. <laughs> Excellent, Mikey. Thanks for coming on The One Thing. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Now, that brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, we just want to draw your attention to Blackboard Church Management Software. Blackboard Church Management is the only church software backed by the world's leading cloud software company, powering social good. The, this enterprise-level solution goes beyond just managing your church. It seamlessly connects your church to your ministry all in one platform. Blackboard Church Management connects your staff and congregation, ensuring deeper relationships and effective ministry. To find out more, visit blackboard.com. B-L-A-C-K-B-A-U-D dot com and search for church management. And also, if you like what you've heard today on The One Thing, well, we'd always appreciate it if you'd like uh, and rate the show on iTunes. Even just leave a comment. And we love getting your questions. Alrighty, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, we are back talking to Mikey Lidge. But this time, we'll be going back to school and learning the one thing you need to know about connecting your church to student ministry. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon.